Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, uh, verses 57 through 66. Our message series is called Lead Me to the Cross, and over the past months we've been following Jesus' final steps to the cross as recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. We now come to these closing verses of chapter 27. Matthew has told us about the sufferings of Jesus. He has told us about the death of Jesus. And now he goes on to tell us about the burial of Jesus. We know it's important that Jesus died. We know it's important that Jesus resurrected. But why is it so important that Jesus was buried? And that's what we want to look at tonight. So in the Gospel of Matthew 27, I'm just going to read verses 57 through 61 as we begin. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into these verses and the verses following tonight, as we look at your burial, I pray, God, that you would help us to read and understand your word with new comprehension and with a new love for you for all that you have done for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember Redemption's hill Where your blood was spilled For my ransom Everything I once held dear I counted all as lost Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then Paul goes on to talk about Christ's appearances as well. 
You know, we spend a lot of time talking about Christ's death, and we spend a lot of time talking about Christ's resurrection, but sometimes we skip right over his burial. Yet here in 1 Corinthians, Paul called it one of the matters of first importance. So that's what we want to talk about tonight. Why was it so important that Jesus was buried? And even more specifically, why was Jesus buried in a rich man's tomb? There's an outline in your worship guide tonight. If you'd like to take that out to follow along, maybe jot down some notes as we walk through these scriptures together. Why was Jesus buried in a rich man's tomb? We're going to look at four reasons tonight, and the first one is this. Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb in order to fulfill prophecy. To fulfill prophecy. Look at verses 57 and 58 with me again now. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. This is the first and only time we meet Joseph in the Scriptures. He appears in all four Gospels right here at the end. He appears briefly at the end of each of those Gospel accounts in relation to Jesus' burial, And then we never hear about him again. Now we know from the other Gospels that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the council that voted to put Jesus to death. But also that he was a good and an upright man who did not agree with the council's decision. And that he was a follower of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. But the main point Matthew emphasizes for us here about Joseph is that he was wealthy. He was a rich man. And why is that important? Once again, in order to fulfill prophecy. Throughout Matthew's gospel, we have seen how Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy again and again. He fulfilled Old Testament prophecy at his birth. He fulfilled Old Testament prophecy throughout his life. He fulfilled Old Testament prophecy at his death. And now he even fulfills Old Testament prophecy at his burial. We read from Isaiah 53 earlier in the service. Isaiah 53 is the great prophetic chapter in the Old Testament that speaks of Christ's suffering and death on the cross. But what a lot of people don't know is that it also tells us about Christ's burial and his resurrection. And what does it say about his burial? We read in Isaiah 53, verse 9, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit. In his mouth. And that first part about being assigned a grave with the wicked is a a reference to Jesus being crucified between the two thieves. But that second part has to do with Joseph. Jesus was not a wealthy man, he owned nothing but the clothes on his back, and they even took those. 
So how was he going to be assigned a grave with the rich in his death? Enter Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man who had secretly become a disciple of Jesus, who now boldly approaches Pilate and asks him for Jesus' body, and then Pilate gives it to him. And this all happened in accordance with God's sovereign plan and in order to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 53, verse 9. And so that's the first reason that Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. Every prophecy of Jesus must be fulfilled. And Christ was buried in a rich man's tomb, first of all, to fulfill prophecy. Secondly, Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb to show that he really died. To show that he really died. Going back to Matthew 27, look at the next verses with me now, 59 to 61. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Pilate was surprised when he heard that Jesus had already died and that he actually went and he confirmed it with the centurion to make sure that Jesus was really dead before granting Joseph permission to take the body. Joseph, after seeking and receiving permission from Pilate, Joseph takes Jesus' body and now he carefully prepares him for burial. The Gospel of John tells us that he was accompanied and assisted by Nicodemus. You might remember Nicodemus. He's the Pharisee uh, who earlier had visited Jesus by night, also afraid of the other religious leaders. So here we have a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin taking Jesus' body and preparing it for burial. First, they wrap the body in clean linen. The Gospel of John gives us further details. John tells us that Nicodemus uh, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. And then after wrapping Jesus' body in the linen, Joseph places Jesus' body in his own new tomb, a tomb that was cut out of the rock, and then he rolls that big stone. It would have gone down an incline, easy to roll in, tough to roll out, right? Rolls that big stone down in front of the entrance to the tomb. And he goes away. And that's the last we ever hear about Joseph of Arimathea. One pastor comments, there is something dramatic about Joseph's sudden appearance and disappearance. It is as though Joseph's whole life was a preparation for this one historical Matthew also tells us that the two Marys 
calls them Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, that was Mary, the mother of James. They were sitting there opposite the tomb. They closely observed where Jesus was buried. Now, once again, why are all these details so important? They're important in order to show us that Jesus really died. Imagine for a moment if Jesus had resurrected from the cross rather than the tomb. Imagine if immediately after Jesus gave up his spirit and died, right? If immediately after giving up his spirit and then right after God had worked all of those miraculous signs in connection with his death and the centurion seizes and proclaims, surely this was the Son of God. Imagine if Jesus had resurrected from the dead right then and there. You know, there would be a whole lot of people who would question whether Jesus had actually died or not. No, Jesus' body was examined by Roman soldiers who were trained to recognize death. He was pierced through with a sword. He was taken down from the cross. He was wrapped in 75 pounds of spices and linen. He was placed in Joseph's own tomb with that large stone rolled in front of the entrance. Jesus lay dead and buried in that tomb for all the rest of Friday, all day Saturday, and the first part of Sunday before he rose from the dead. Why? In order to show that Jesus had really died. You see, in order for Jesus to take our death, in order for him to take our death for us, He needed to die the same death that we experience when we die. And when we die, what happens? Our spirits are separated from our bodies for a period of time. Our bodies lie in the grave awaiting resurrection. And then when Jesus returns, our bodies will be raised from the grave. We will be reunited with our spirits. If Jesus had died and then immediately resurrected, he would not have experienced the full passage of death that we experience, which means he would not truly have conquered sin and death and the grave. Another commentator writes, Thus Jesus endured not only pain and suffering and the curse of death, but even the terror of the grave so that he could save his people from this forever. And so that's the second reason Jesus was buried, to show that he really died. Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb to fulfill prophecy, to show that he really died, and then thirdly, to show that he really resurrected. To show that he resurrected. Let's go on now. Verses 62 to 64. The next day. The one after preparation day. So this is Saturday morning. The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said. We remember that while he was still alive. That deceiver said. After three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb. To be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse 
than the first. And so the next day, the religious leaders come to Pilate with a request of their own. They remember Jesus saying something about rising again after three days. Perhaps they're thinking about the time that Jesus spoke to them about the sign of Jonah. We read that in Matthew 12, verse 40, where Jesus said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. They remember Jesus teaching these things, and they're really not so much afraid of Jesus rising again. What they're afraid of is the disciples coming and stealing the body, and then the disciples making believe that Jesus rose again. So they tell Pilate, if that happens, this last deception will be worse than the first. In other words, the worst thing that can happen for the religious leaders is if Jesus' tomb somehow turns up empty on Sunday morning. Imagine that. So they ask him, Pilate, will you make the tomb secure until the third day to guard against this happening? And Pilate agrees to their request. Look at verses 65 and 66. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. And there's an irony in Pilate's words there, aren't there? Go and make the tomb secure as you know how. And that's what they do. They, they put a seal on the stone. They post a guard. The purpose of the stone is to prevent anyone from entering the tomb to remove the body. The purpose of the guards is to prevent anyone from moving the stone. And the purpose of the seal is to prevent anyone from moving the stone without leaving evidence that the stone has been moved. For example, perhaps uh, if someone, the disciples, bribed the guards to move the stone for them and put it back, the seal would be broken. Ian Campbell writes, The whole authority of the Roman Empire is standing watch to make sure that no one will get into the grave. But what they all fail to reckon with is the possibility that the person inside will get out. And so they go, and what do they do? They make the tomb as secure as they know how, but they think they're just guarding against an attempted theft by the disciples. And they are certainly not prepared for uh, another miraculous earthquake. Right? Similar to the one that took place on Friday at the time of Jesus' death. Remember that? That earthquake split the rocks and did what? It opened the tombs. They're not ready for another earthquake. They're certainly not prepared for a shining angel of the Lord to come down from heaven and roll that stone away as easily as a soccer ball. Yes, they are prepared for the disciples but they are definitely not prepared for a divine resurrection. John Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers, writes, Behold, both a seal, a stone, and a watch, and they were not able to hold him. And so it was a futile request, and Pilate's response was a futile response. And what is even more ironic about all of this is that all of their actions here only served 
to further confirm Jesus' resurrection. Think about it. If they hadn't taken any of these actions, if they hadn't put the seal and posted the guard, then maybe they could have gotten away with blaming the disciples. But by making the tomb secure, the only explanation for the empty tomb on Sunday morning was that Jesus really did rise from the dead on the third day, just as he said. And so that's the third reason Jesus was buried in the rich man's tomb, not only to show that he really died, but also to show that he really resurrected. If Joseph, if Joseph had not buried Jesus in his own tomb, Jesus would most likely have been buried in a common grave along with the other two thieves and we would not have the testimony of the empty tomb. The religious leaders take every precaution but God's sovereign plan goes forth regardless. Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb to fulfill prophecy to show that he really died, to show that he really resurrected. And finally, number four, Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb so that through his poverty, you and I may become rich. There are actually two rich men in this story. You know, when we speak of the rich man's tomb, naturally we think first of Joseph of Arimathea because he was the rich man, right? And it was his tomb. But it was also Jesus' tomb. Jesus, who was the wealthiest of all. Jesus, who gave up his riches in heaven and came to earth to be our Savior. Here on earth, he lived a life of poverty. He was born in a manger. He never accumulated earthly goods. Matthew Henry writes, As he had not a house of his own wherein to lay his head while he lived, so he had not a grave of his own wherein to lay his body when he was dead. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Fortunately, he didn't need it for very long. Just a couple of days and Joseph could have it right back again. And why did Jesus do all this? Why did Jesus give up the riches of heaven to live and die in poverty on earth? We find the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so when it comes to the rich man's tomb... Now we have three people we need to consider. First of all, we've got Joseph, rich man, his tomb. And then it became Jesus' tomb, Jesus, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. But then as we are united with Christ by faith, it becomes 
our tomb also. For we are buried with Christ through baptism and thus share in his death, burial, and resurrection. We read this in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. In other words, when Jesus died, you died with him. When Jesus was buried, you were buried with him. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, your body will surely rise one day as well. And so if you are a Christian this morning, you also have been buried in a rich man's tomb. You've been buried through baptism with Jesus, the one who owned it all and gave it all so that you could be saved. The Bible says if we died with him, we will also live with him, and that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's the fourth reason Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. So that through his poverty, you and I may become rich. And so we find that Jesus' burial is just as important as his death and his resurrection. Once again, Paul said, what I, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Jesus became poor so that you may become rich in him. But it all depends on if you are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Have you died with him who died for you? Have you been buried with him who was buried for you? Were you there with him? Were you there when they crucified him? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Let us worship him who gave up everything so that we could be saved. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the message of the burial of Christ the message of the rich man's tomb. Lord Jesus, you are the richest of all and you gave up everything for us. And so we worship you. We thank you. We give you our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.